0: What's up, everyone? This is Robert Ross with the Nomad Business and Lifestyle Podcast. Do you daydream about quitting your job, walking away from your 9-to-5 corporate lifestyle, but curious how other people afford their lives traveling and living in a far-off location? Ten years ago, I quit my financial services job, sold everything I owned, and moved to a small surf town in coastal Ecuador. With nothing but my dog, six surfboards, and a suitcase. Since then, I built a large hotel and real estate business in Montanita, Ecuador called the Mi Hotel and Villas, Montanita Estates. But most importantly, I created the environment where I can focus my energy in every minute of the day doing exactly what I want to do, whether it's spending time with my family, surfing, kite surfing, and growing the Mi Hotel. Along the way, I've spent countless hours meeting and talking to others who have traded in their corporate lifestyles to take control of their future, enjoying the life of the nomadic traveler and business abroad. On this podcast, I'm going to share my experiences and those of others that are following their passions of living in exotic locations, while most importantly, continuing to earn and create business opportunities. I don't think I remember the first time I met today's guest, Garrett Parker, but it was likely eight years ago serving Montanita's right point break, or with a beer in his hand watching the sunset. Garrett is the president of Ecuador Coastal Properties, and as an entrepreneur, developer, and real estate agent, Monte Ecuador has built ECP into a powerhouse here in Ecuador through hard work and determination, and today receives over 20,000 inquiries per month for properties. He's also our local celebrity with multiple appearances on House Hunters International and Bargain Beach Buy. So if you're listening to this podcast and you recognize his voice, that would be the reason. I'm looking forward to today's conversation to find out how he ended up here in an obscure part of Ecuador, how he built ECP, and what his plans are for the future. Hey, Garrett, can you hear me? Good to talk to you today.
1: Man, it's good to hear your voice, a familiar voice in these weird times. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: great to have you on the podcast. i want to get started a little bit and uh, just introduce you and uh, probably talk a little bit about Manta because uh, it's really far off hmm. from from everywhere in the world. And you just want to know a little bit about Manta and how you ended up there.
1: Yeah, great question. Yeah, so for everybody out there, uh, my name is Garrett Parker. Um I've lived in Monta, Ecuador now for 12 years. Uh, just to give you some back history, I'll kind of take you through how I ended up here. It's very interesting, and uh, very rarely do I get to really tell a lot of people this this story. Um, but, you know, I was in college. Uh, well, first of all, I'm from Alaska, born and raised in Alaska, 18 years. Uh, I played football. My dad was a big football player. He should have had me playing hockey. I don't know what he was thinking. But... Um, Somehow I got a scholarship at Jacksonville State, uh, went down to play football, and when I was in college, uh, my father um, one night told me, look, bud, I'm, I'm looking at retiring and, and traveling the world to find a place to retire. And to me at that time, was very weird and out of, out of nowhere, because I guess growing up in USA, especially for me in Alaska, I mean, living outside of the USA was so different and so, for my dad to say that, I was like, "Where are you going to go?"
0: Hey, Garrett, let me interrupt you for a minute. What year was that?
1: Two thousand and five.
0: Wow. Okay, so he's looking at at leaving the U.S. in two thousand and five.
1: At two thousand and five, my dad he set on his journey, and he literally went through Central America, Mexico, Nicaragua, Panama. He ended up buying some property actually in Nicaragua. He loved Panama. Um, uh, really came down with Panama because of the US dollar but it's really hot and humid there Um, and so he kept traveling down and he went through Colombia my dad really actually loved Colombia went through Colombia and then got to Ecuador and he ended up in Manta and he fell in love with Manta and after Manta he continued down all the way to Chile but after his entire trip he came back to um, Jacksonville and he told me son I'm moving to Manta Ecuador and <laughs> I was like where it I'm sorry if, you know everybody out there but number one where is Ecuador you know I guess I didn't <laughs> I right. but I was like where's Ecuador so I found that out okay right below Colombia but Peru it's on the west okay and why Monta? and my dad you know my dad was an economics professor um, he was an economist, so he always kept his ear to, like, what's the next boom, this and that. And when he came here in 2005 in, in Manta, um, it was very raw and undeveloped. And really a lot of the upside, you know, for him was they use American dollar and it was cheap, you know, and that's that's why a lot of that's that's the big draw to Ecuador. Number one, you know, it, it's cheap in the American dollar um and so he fell in love with ecuador and i still thought my dad was was pretty crazy um i ended up finishing school in 2008 i came down to visit i only came to visit and i was here for two weeks that was my first time being in south america at that point in my life i hadn't even been to central america i had been to europe um, up, we took some nice beautiful vacations Never to a third world country so for me everything was so new the shanty the food like i was that typical american you could say typical gringo was like what's what's that like i was really skeptical about anything i ate and and, uh, it was tough for a couple weeks for me i think what changed
0: (laughs) just a couple weeks
1: well, for me, it was, it was really hard those first two weeks because I'd go out to get food. And like I wanted fish. every time I ordered fish, it came fried. And I okay. you know, I try to stay away from fried food. And so the first thing I was like, all right, I need to find out how to say like not fried." So La plancha, right? A pascaro a la plancha. So that was food. And so when I say weird, it was just it was hard for me to to get around my because also Monta's
0: like the seafood capital of the entire uh pacific coast of south america so the fact that you're having seafood issues is is pretty (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, i guess more so just just the language at first um and to be honest like from alaska being from alaska i grew up um, eating crab salmon and halibut and these wonderful you know species but i wasn't really into tuna i wasn't really into mahi i wasn't really into a lot of these exotic fish that we eat here which now i love like now I eat ceviche probably three, four times a week and in Savoyada, which is like a typical dish here. It's uh, for yeah, those
0: who don't well, know. you complain about mahi and, and tuna. Probably don't have a lot of sympathy for you, bud.
1: Yeah, I, I know. And at first, I was, like I said, I just, <laughs> it, and it grew on me. And now I'm like, I have to have it it's in my, you know, weekly routine. So for those first two weeks, it was really, really tough for me. And my father told me one day, Look, I got a buddy you need to meet. His, his name is Renee Burgos. He makes boards, surfboards, and being from Alaska, I snowboarded, I did all the boards. So it was always <laughs> a dream of mine to learn how to surf. I think anybody who doesn't surf, they, they wish they could, and that was my dream. You know, and I signed up for, for Renee's surf class, and I started that surf class. And the second day, I met, uh, till this day, one of my best friends, Franklin. When I met Frank, it, it changed my entire life down here. Um, it turned into, um, obviously, number one, he spoke English, so that was amazing. Like, I met somebody who was sponsored by Oakley, who, who was the national champ, who was very popular, and we really hit it off. And, and surf sessions turned into, let's go out this weekend so you can meet some friends, and um. The rest is history. I've been here 12 years, you know, and I can really say surfing is kind of what kept me here for that first initial uh-huh. year. And, and my dad, you know, I remember my dad. I'll never forget it. Now, when I graduated, he told me, son, I have a vision of making Monta this this expat number one destination in the world. You know, and I'm thinking, all right, good luck, you know. Good luck. but I do not see it. <laughs> I thought he was just, I, I didn't see it. Um, this is young.
0: 2008 at this point 2009
1: this is 2008 i graduated 2008 just came down here right away after college and just to kind of really? check on my pops make sure he was okay really um yeah, I had so a- that's,
0: not- that's before i got here too so i didn't get i didn't arrive until 2011
1: yeah that was right after i i remember clearly when you arrived man yeah that was, was i remember clearly um and so yeah my dad told me look uh, we're going to make this business. And I said, okay, good luck. And uh, within a month, I mean, he had about four sales, I think, within a month. And really, how it started happening was he would be walking the beach, and just Americans or Canadians were also walking, and they'd meet my dad and say, hey, do you know where to find something? And that's how it kind of started it. And then that yeah, turned so, into.
0: So, so, Gary, let's take a step back. Yeah. So, just so, so everybody knows, uh, Manta is on the coast, central coast of Ecuador. Hmm. And to get there, you would fly um, through Miami to Guayaquil, Miami to Quito, and you'd either drive from Guayaquil, which is about four hours from Miami. Then you drive uh, from Guayaquil uh, to to Manta in three hours to the coast, or you can fly actually from Quito in about an hour. Um, Manta's also, it's a few hundred thousand people, right? Right. Correct me. You can take it from here, actually.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, two different ways, exactly like you said. You have the Quito. You can enter into Quito. It's, it's a 30-minute flight, but it takes an hour altogether. Um, or you can arrive here in Guayaquil and drive to the coast. Um, but Manta, yes, uh, actually, we've gone up in population. We're at about 300,000 now. Um, and the backbone of Manta, the industry, is tuna. That's what drives Manta. We have uh, 13 massive tuna factories there that export tuna all over the world so that's what really um stabilizes uh, manta for the backbone for the industry
0: there i was going to say when you get to manta you know there's there's uh i guess high rises um beautiful new high rises everywhere it's got a dry climate um so it's it, it feels like california the weather it's dry and warm year-round with warm water and uh like Garrett was talking about it's got waves it's got waves if you like to surf so just wanted to give you a little background on what Manta was, so people know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, Manta on the water, high-rises. Like I said, when I got here, it was very raw, but since we came in, we brought a lot of investors and buildings just started going up all along Manta. And it's really boomed and become this this uh, major destination for expats all around the world. And and not only because of the high-rise and all this, it's because it's a city. It's the biggest city on the entire coast of Ecuador. So, you know, with that said, we have the, the airport, we have shopping malls, we have grocery stores, we have medical, we have hospitals, we have everything a city that you need. And that's another huge draw for Manta. So, um, you know, booming city, real estate, great prices, U.S. dollar with all the infrastructure really is what makes Manta.
0: Yeah, so so I know just from knowing you for for a lot of years that you're this great entrepreneur. You've got your your hands in a whole bunch of other uh, different things, but mm-hmm. uh, can you talk about kind of what it's like to do business uh, down here? How you how you got into into doing business in in Monta? I know it, it started with your father, but you've really grown your business and you're in a lot of different things.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um... You know, for a lot of people out there, um, this is very important. Um, hope it, that you're listening. Um, so, real estate down here in in Ecuador is totally different than real estate in the USA. Um, there are no really governing laws, so to say. I mean, there are, but they don't really regulate it so much. So, as far as like an an MLS listing or something like that, a lot of you know, um, um, a lot of those don't exist down here. So you really have to be careful on so many different ways. For instance, right now, um, due to the crisis, we're having right now about 30 to 35 emails a day. A lot of them from California and New York. And a lot of them are saying, hey, we're in, I'm just going to take New York. We're in New York. We're stacked on top of each other, you know, and we want to get out of here. And we're looking at Ecuador and it looks green down there and you have everything. (laughs) How do we do it? And how, you know, how do we buy this? So it's a whole, you know, there's no escrow down here, which is, you know, daunting on everybody for us even. Right. I mean, at one point I remember that um, we were helping facilitate a lot of deals. But here in Ecuador for real estate to buy something, everything goes through lawyers and notaries. Lawyers and notaries are very, very you can't close a deal without them. Um, and a lot of the times the, the lawyers act as an escrow for, um, a lot of the buyers out there. So it's very different in the USA as far as how they govern, um, real estate and how they really keep track of it. Um, there's a lot of people who, who claim a lot of things are selling, selling, and there's no system in place to go online and say, oh yeah, he did sell that. There's nothing in place right now in Ecuador like that. And I wish they did have that. You I wish they did make people take the test and those kind of things.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, it's evolved a lot. So, I mean, what, what you just said is actually uh, way better than it used to be. I remember when I got here in, in 2011 and uh, and I'm in Montanita, which is about two hours south of Monta. And we're much smaller. So we're on mm-hmm. just about a thousand people. It's a little, it's a little uh, vacation surf town. It's coconuts and hammocks versus monta's uh, okay. a, a working city, and it's beautiful. But uh, we found properties with a machete and a and an ATV and you would basically <laughs> yeah, you'd be calling ah uh, you'd be calling phone numbers spray painted on the side of a of a block building, and they may it may be a it may be two weeks old, it may be two years old. you just didn't know. so. Uh, <laughs>
1: nowadays
0: it's actually come come it's changed a lot and i know it's much more yeah. civilized and yeah especially where you are in Monta, that somebody can actually reach out to you and yeah. get a good idea of, of what the market's like because there wasn't there wasn't any visibility to what's sold like you talked about um and uh yeah so maybe talk about the evolution of Manta and 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 how it's easier now than it used to be
1: oh yeah it's come a long way that's for sure the evolution, you know, like I said, when I got here, it was so raw and when I'm, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, the beachfront where all these high rises are now, those weren't there. So you had all these properties along the beach. Some of them were worth a million dollars, half a million, two million. And what we had, what we dealt with a lot was a lot of families inherited these properties from <laughs> their families, you know, that had passed on and they're sitting on a million dollar piece of property um, and they would get in touch with us and say, "Hey, um, we have this beautiful uh, piece of property. This is what we want to do." They'd give me a, you know, a, a, a business plan in front of me, and, and you know, a, a ten-story high-rise, and I'd say, "Amazing. Okay, how much money do you guys have to put in this?" And a lot of the answers were, "We don't have anything. All we have is the property." <laughs> so we were like, "Okay, well." So we analyze that. You know, we really have to analyze how good is this property? And if we build this, the sales, the projections, and we really do our market research on that. And that's when we started bringing in investors to kickstart a lot of these, these massive projects. So okay. we would bring in these investors It would kickstart it. It would start building, which is a whole nother discussion. And then um, along the way we're doing pre-sales and that's where the real estate and the marketing and the sales of units come into play. So we put yeah. the whole deal together. Let's say it's a, it's, a, it's gonna be a five million dollar build out for a 10 story 30 unit, let's just say. Um, you know, we get the initial, you know we go we you know we don't get it all in one lump sum. We, we build, you know we pay as we build. and we're starting to sell. But the biggest um, for us, what's most important is any project that we're involved in, or any project that we um, basically make come alive and and bring to fruition, we we make sure that it's funded, that it's totally mm-hmm. funded because it's very important. A lot of people, you know, they read on the internet, you know, you don't need a real estate agent in Ecuador. And the truth is, you're absolutely right. You do not need an agent in Ecuador. You can come down here and do it yourself.
0: There's another side of it too, down here, which is, um, generally people from the u.s come down and they're just looking for the view if they see the ocean they're happy and they make a bunch of assumptions about what's included with that view um right. things like road access electricity water are not necessarily included or even a good title mm-hmm. are are not aren't, aren't included in, in a property here good so point. Good and, I, point. and I, I know from experience that i i bought a property with a river on it <laughs> right and, uh you know, uh, uh, six months later when I went back, you know, and, and the river came through, uh, the water ro- rose up, I didn't know how to get a bridge across it and who would I, I have to talk to, or even oh. whether or not I could cross the river. Um, another property, I had a road going to it and it turned out I didn't, I didn't have access on that road. Right. So there's lots of things. Like that. I, think, I think I got a great story about when I bought my first house and uh, it had water, but I didn't realize the tank was so small that basically had water for one day.
1: And, oh my goodness, like a cistern, uh, you're talking.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it just didn't even have a water system, even though you know, I didn't think to ask, you know, what's the water sure. system like? So I think generally when you're buying in a place like Ecuador, you really have to look at, you know, just getting information, talking to people who are knowledgeable, people who have been here for 12 years, and whether or not you're even a real estate, whether or not you're, it's a real estate agent or not, getting good information about yep. the laws here. Um, and don't make any assumptions about what's included and what's not included.
1: No, absolutely. You really brought up a really good point. Um, you know, as I said, everything here goes through lawyers and notaries. And the first step we do, if somebody says, uh, you know, I'm offering on this land, this is the offer is we get the lawyer to go check out the deed and make sure the deed is free and clear. Um, Mm -hmm. we've had situations where people come down and they say, Oh, I don't want to hire a lawyer. It's going to be an extra cost. Now the cost of a lawyer here is not like the cost of a lawyer in the USA. It's it's cheaper, um, but it's so important important to make sure you have a lawyer that goes and checks that out. Uh, because I had a deal a year ago that these people said, oh, "I don't want to go through a lawyer. I'm good to go straight to the deed." So I, you know, I. I I'm at there, you know, whatever they want to do, I pretty much, I'm going along with it, but I'm advising them, let's get the lawyer to check it out, it's worth it, trust me, just pay the money, it's it's so worth it. Well, come to find out, this gentleman, um, he had a lien, he had a mortgage, $60,000, so he was going to receive the cash, pay the 60000 I mean, it was so, he was going to pay the 60000 and then take the rest and then transfer the deed that he says so, you never know, and that's the problem. So having a lawyer to make sure that they just really research the deed and that it's free and clear is so important. Um, And also, like you said, get good information. And I do suggest that people definitely, you know, find an agent, you know, find someone who, who's had this, that much time down here. And, you know, time isn't everything. You know, I keep saying it. I've been here 12 years. So my 12 years here, I've gotten into so many things and met so many people. And I, I just, Keep evolving and meeting people all over Ecuador.
0: I, I bet a lot of people who are listening don't realize how much demand there is for for properties down here that you're getting. It's it's amazing. Yes.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, and right now, especially, you know, same thing happened after the earthquake. Don't mean to 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 cut out of that conversation, but same thing with the earthquake happened. Uh, it was it was crazy, but a lot of people out there, that's op- opportunists out there. They saw opportunities. I didn't really get it at that point in time when that earthquake happened. <laughs> I was like, wow, business is over. The next day, we made 20 sales. Not that day, but over a month, it was 20 sales. And because That's on the other, we had people calling us saying, what can we get cheap? And on the other <laughs> side, we're having people calling us saying, hey, I need money. Uh, this happened, that happened, I'm dumping, I'm fire selling it. So it was this big rush and a lot of people got in with really good,
0: yeah, good prices. Let's actually um let's talk about that in a little bit more detail because I'm sure a lot of people are interested. Yeah. Um what's a typical property sell for here? How much? How much is how much does a condo cost generally? How much is land cost? Mm-hmm. What's the situation with banks? Um how how does that all work and how much how much do things cost?
1: Really good question,
0: and, and uh, it's
1: it's going to be some spread out answers. But because, you know, every different place varies for cost, right? So, like right now in Manta and like the main area where it's really booming, um, right there next to the Windham, uh, you're looking at anywhere between 1,200 per meter up to 2,000 per meter right now. And just to give you an it's idea, so- when I arrived,
0: it started at... Let- 600 Here, let's change that Here, let's change that to like okay how much is like a one bedroom condo cost two bedroom condo because i know a lot of people aren't going to do the math for 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 meters especially right. people in the U.S. for feet <laughs> yeah no doubt
1: no doubt i was i was going to get to that so like like right now in this situation and, and what we're going through you're seeing a lot of fire sales so you're going to see but typically um you're looking at a two-bedroom condo you're looking about the 150s, 160s, even up to the 220s, depending uh, on the building, how new it is. There's some older buildings. Um, you know, not every building, uh, every project we've done, we've we've done better, and we
0: we we've learned. So that's and learned. learned. 50,000 to, to 220,000 for a two-bedroom condo. Beach for on the beach, yes. Beach, now, wow. You, okay. You
1: get off the beach. I mean, there's you know some some cheaper, some eighty thousand, ninety thousand. I know some fifty thousands, but but everybody, you know, if you're moving out of the USA down to Ecuador, you, you wanna you're moving down here to be on the beach. A lot of <laughs> a lot of you know most a lot of the people, especially in Monta, they're coming down to be on the beach. So you're looking around those prices right now, about one one fifty. Like I said, I, some I have that are so nice and and they're selling them furnished. Um, you know, everybody, I always tell clients if you're gonna if you're gonna resell this, don't put in a bunch of money. you know, make it minimal. and if you're gonna use it as a rental, but some clients kind of do their own thing and they put a lot of lot of money into it, and they want to get that money back. and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. It's kind of fifty fifty, but I really advise my clients when we sit down to begin with, what's your plan? What is your plan? Is your plan to come here and retire and live here and be here? Is your plan to come here? buy something and rent it out and retire in five years but you're buying now at a cheap price which we get a lot or is or are you coming down here strictly as an investor to find something to buy and rent out and with all three of those different phases we we handle all all of our clients um with you know we really you yeah. really treat them with a lot of respect and a lot of knowledge and that's where our knowledge comes in like right now if you say hey garrett I'm looking to get a condo, a two-bedroom that I can rent out. Right now, comes to mind five different places that I know are way under market value. To where one day, if you want to sell it, you're going to make money on it, and if you want to rent it out, you're going to make at least seven to eight percent a year on the rental. Yeah.
0: So, Garrett, what would a what would a if I wanted to buy a lot on a beautiful beach? What would what would that cost?
1: So let's talk. You know, we're talking about Monta. I'm going to keep it with Monta. Um, in Manta, the city, there is no property on the beach. All that property in Manta, there, let me rephrase it. There's no property for sale for a house on the beach in Manta. <laughs>
0: no, shops- I'm, I'm not talking to developers. Garrett. Let's talk about, let's say somebody wanted to go out to like Santa Maranita and buy a lot and build a house. What would that look like? How much would that cost?
1: So, you're looking at right now anywhere from $50,000 up to a million dollars. And I'll break that down for you. $50,000 is going to be right right there in front of Santa Marinita next to Davos Place Ocean Freaks up there. Those will go for about fifty dollars to $60,000. They're about 200 square meters. The wow. Gotcha. Okay. $50,000. But if you go down a little farther, it's a little more private. There's some really big ones. Um, we just got one thrown at us the other day, it's like 7,000 square meters. They wanted to sell it for a million dollars a year ago. Now they're dropping it to two hundred thousand. So it really varies. But you that's can really get this the 50th, yes. On the is beach. that on the beach or is it near the beach? On the beach.
0: Wow, that's a great it's, it's, deal.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing deal right now. And 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 that's why a lot of people are calling and, and this is giving everybody the, the
0: time to think about their what do they want to do? You know, yeah, I think a lot right. of surfers out there just to give you an idea of what santa marinita is there's three amazing point breaks right there and it's actually right where i go to kite surf. So you've got amazing surf in the morning and if you like to kite surf you're kite surfing all afternoon it's it's really a paradise and it's about 20 minutes outside a month i guess the last the the third phase of that would be building what's it cost to build a house here if i wanted to build a house on that so i just bought my piece of land for 50 grand um, or 200,000, depending on how much I want it, uh, beachfront. I want to build a beautiful house, 3000 square foot house. Uh, what would that cost? All right. So I'm going to go ahead. I've been saying
1: square meters. I'm going to go ahead and say square feet for anybody out there. I'll kind of do both. <laughs> so for right now, if we build you a home, we can do it at 50, we can do it at $55 a square foot.
0: That's really good.
1: And that includes everything besides the pool. The pool is going to be about $10,000.
0: Uh, so you're talking about a, 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 a if you want a three thousand square foot house with your with your land and a pool for about two hundred thirty thousand beachfront. That's really cool. Yeah, it's so, it's ridiculously
1: cheap um, to build, you know. But a lot of people come down, and some of them, oh, I don't want to deal with the building. I don't want to have to go through that, and and that's what we're here for. To take on that headache for you, make sure that they're doing the the, the, the right building and making sure that they're going to get what they, what they paid for. Um, but I-, I tell a lot, a lot of people right now, it is a really good time to build a home. Um, properties, you know, in my opinion, you, a lot of things are going to be happening. We're selling condos right now. The notaries open back up. So there's a lot of fire sales and people are getting in for rentals and different things. But we're also starting to see a lot of people wanting to come down and live in more green areas, you know. And yeah. and so you're looking at, you know, Manta, Santa Marinita, which is more, you know, getting more green. And then even San Lorenzo, even down towards you guys. Um, it's, I think that's really going to start blowing up and, and expanding because people now are looking at, you know, I don't want to live. I don't want a neighbor. I want to have space. I want to be green. I want this. I think that's really, really going to um, boom here. So cool. That's
0: all really good information. I appreciate that. So yeah. I think we've covered business pretty good, um, pretty thoroughly. Why don't we talk a little bit about work-life balance? Yeah. So when you're not um, uh, working, it sounds like you work a lot uh, what are you doing up there? I know you're surfing, you're with your family. What's a typical day look like for you in Monta? Wow.
1: That is a good question. Every day is so different, you know, because I own business up in Alaska. So sometimes I'm dealing with stuff up there. Um, but a typical day just in in Monta, Ecuador, usually, um, wake up with my family. We have breakfast. Um, And I head up to our office. We have a meeting. We go over the, you know, what everything, what we need to kind of tackle that day. And if it's a day that we don't have much going on, then I really like, Sean and I really like to let the staff, you know, go take some time, go, go, go enjoy. And when that happens, usually I grab my family. I load up the truck. I put my surfboard in there and we head right to the beach and we spend a whole day on the beach. And when I say whole day, I mean the entire day we eat lunch there, which is like $3 a plate, fresh fish. For, for everything caught that day um we so i surf my family's hanging out there my dad will come join us friends will come join us um at night we live in we live in a really nice condo uh, we have wonderful neighbors so we get along with all of our neighbors and and our building's kind of one um but a typical day i mean just with the family a lot of a lot of beach time we we they built the new mall about i don't know, three four four years ago maybe four, yeah, about three or four years ago, brand new mall. So the mall has become really popular. So my wife loves to shop, um, which I don't <laughs> eh, so much. <laughs> so we go to the mall quite a bit. We have a movie theater. So, you know, before all this COVID happened, you know, movie theaters, Um, we have a bowling alley. So we really just, you know, now having, you know, the children involved, it's kind of centered around them. Like, how can we keep them busy? um. And it's kind of centered around them. And Beach kind of checks off all the boxes for all of us. Now, on a mon- when Monday comes, it's school time for, for my son, Augustine. So he, he, we're up. We're always up, number one. But we're up, get him to school. And he goes to school from 8 to 12. And that gives uh, my wife time to do everything she needs
0: to do um, and have, have a break because everybody needs a break. So let me ask you some questions about that, because I think that people would be really interested in in what it's like actually having a child here, if you were to get, when when your wife was pregnant. And then also kind of give maybe some details about what schools are like. Are they Mm -hmm. private? Are they public? How much do they cost? Um, Do you think they're any good? So schools
1: are, you know, that that was was, um, a, a very big concern of mine at first, it was just because being from USA, I guess, in my head, it's like I have like we need to do it the USA way. Um, but after talking to a lot of my friends that that are a little bit older than me, their kids have graduated or are in school, I, I got a lot of information from them. There's some really amazing schools in Monza. My son was at Glen Doman. We had a wonderful experience. Great teachers. I mean, Ecuador, what I learned here is like family is very, very important to everybody here. Like that's number one before everything is family, and also those teachers and that love, like they give so much love. And schools are so much different. Like when I went to the first um, get together at the school where the kids all sing to everybody and do all that. I mean, the teachers got up there and did this dance to Shakira, you know. <laughs> and it's like you wouldn't see the teachers in the states doing this huge dance to Shakira, the way they were dancing. But it was so natural and cool, and I loved it. And I thought, man, this is amazing. Like, I wish that I had grown up and had this experience, you know, because um, I went through the typical school system in the USA, and, and I have so many great memories. But what my son is going through here in these schools I think is amazing. Um, and this next year, uh, he's old enough, we were about to switch over to um, Leonardo da Vinci, which is known as the nicest school in Manta. Um, it was started by a very good friend of mine, Monica, Miss Monica and Bill Dillman. They started the school, um, and that's Nino's mom. I don't know if you knew that. Nino's mom. I didn't
0: know that. Oh, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, so Nino's mother started Leonardo da Vinci on the other side of the town, and then they bought that property uh, over there by Ciudad de Mar in the south end, and they built this beautiful school. It's like It looks like a something out of Santorini. It's right on the water. Um, yeah. I mean, they teach, yeah. all, you know, it's, it's state-of-the-art, and as far as cost, um, it's, that's, that's one downside, I would say. I mean, I, and I hate to say that, but I guess I went through, I, I was in, in private schools where I grew up in Alaska, the public schools were really, really good. And it was yeah. free. So, for me, like, we pay, I think, 275 a month, $275 a month, U.S. cash. And we're going to be paying that until he graduates. Actually, it'll go up once he gets a little bit older, I think up to 350. So you do have to pay for school and it is a private school. Now there are public schools.
0: Yeah. Just to give you Garrett, just to give you an idea, man, that like, so I toured uh, Leonardo da Vinci and it's beautiful. Just so everybody knows it, it it looks like Pepperdine. It's on a hill. It's ocean view. It's brand new. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, but, uh, uh, private schools in the U.S. these days are going for between twenty and $40,000 a year. Wow. Um, and clearly the education is going to be better at a private school in the U.S. But to go to a school like Leonardo da Vinci and only pay $270, $300 a month is absolutely fantastic for a private school. So wow. I was when I, I, I actually went to private school in Washington, D.C. because I grew up in the city. Um, and uh, when I heard the price of Leonardo da Vinci and I did the tour, I was shocked. Wow.
1: Yeah, that that that's you no. Know, thanks for that info because for, like I said for me in Alaska this, the public school system was really really good. So we yeah. went through all my friends we all went to to the through the public school system in Alaska, but I have so many friends in New York and in Seattle and California that they all went to private. And <laughs> they explained they explained that to me, it's $25,000 a year, 30,000 and I just thought, "Oh my goodness." Yeah. Um, and the stories they told me that happened, and you know and even going through the, the, the school system I did, I mean, it's just I, it's just such a di- it's a night and day difference between the culture. Um, you know, I feel like and this is just my opinion. I feel like kids in the USA get introduced to things maybe a little sooner than kids here. Possibly. I've just seen that um, person. I've seen it. Um, you know, my friend's kids, uh, Italo, they own a big fish factory. He has two kids. Uh, actually, sorry, he has three kids. Two of them just graduated college. They went through Leonardo da Vinci. They just graduated college in Argentina. They're back here working. And and all my friends, not only them, but like a lot of my other friends that went through Leonardo da Vinci, they all went off to college in USA. They went off to college wherever. And and none of them had like any drug issues, any any of these issues that like the the you know the heroin epidemic in the USA. You know, none of them like went through any of that, and there's, you know, none of them know about that kind of stuff at all. Um, they're yeah. these really bright, innocent, amazing kids with great ideas, and and I just, you know, when I call back home, I hear about my friends in school and the epidemics and and the and the drug scene over there. it's it's, it's really sad to hear. Um,
0: yeah, I hear, my kids also, um, who are who are seven and four. Um, they're like little bubble kids here. You know, we had them in right. nature, uh, surrounded by nature with animals. And, and the, the, we, had a, uh, we have a little uh, private schools here with just 20, 30 kids. Um, really, they're outdoor schools and, and bamboo huts. So they're, they're beautiful. They've got a pool uh, with, with, I think, four students per teacher. This was when my kids were between the ages of two and five. And wow. uh, I, had the same, I had the same fears as you that whenever I would go to the U.S., the kids, just what they would know at an early age as far as uh, what's going on in the world. Things you don't want kids to know at that age were just so much more advanced. And to be honest, I miss my little bubble kids. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know, man. I know you do. Um, let me backtrack two seconds because I know why I got into that Montanita. So like I told you, I love where you live. That's like my escape. I like to go down there and relax, but um, for years, I kept telling you, Robert, like, come up to Monta, come up to Monta, and I understood, <laughs> and I understood, like, you know, for all, for everybody out there, let me explain this, okay, Monta is not the most beautiful city, I'm going to say it straight up, it's not the most beautiful city, is it a city on the coast, is it a city on the coast that has everything, absolutely, is it a city on the coast that I feel like has structure, absolutely but we have two different seasons so we have a very dry season which almost looks like desert there so when a lot of people show up you know they say wow it's dry it looks like desert I thought we were going to be in the jungle and and we say you know some people they, they 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 go along with it or some they say no you know what go ahead and send me north or south I want to be in the jungle and sometimes we send them down your way or wherever and and there's more, you know, more green, more rain, more green, more bugs. So you just have to know that if you're going to go to those kind of places, you're going to have to deal with that. Now in Manta, it's very dry and arid, but we do have our green time of the year. It's about four months <laughs> out of the year. And we do get more bugs during that time of the year. So we, have, we get bugs too. Um, but it. I feel like it's a huge benefit, you know, having that 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 climate, that dry climate. Um, it's sunny all year round, but but yeah, to know that, Finally, that that you understood that my why I loved Manta and started to seeing you tra- um, get into kiteboarding and start getting hooked up with all my buddies in Santa Marinita. That was like a dream for me because now I had yeah. one of my best buddies that lived three hours away that I wish lived next door to me that was always up here now.
0: And so, yeah. so just that- a little backstory on uh, on what Garrett's saying. So. I live in Montanita, which is two hours south of Manta, and it's smaller, it's green, it's totally focused on, on surfing. And uh, three, four years ago, I got hooked on kite surfing, and Manta Look, is... is an understatement, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Manta is the, the kite surfing capital of Ecuador. It's really the, one of the only places you can do it in Ecuador. It's two hours north. And so now I spend six months here. I basically have two seasons: I have surf season and kite season. I'm I'm six months in Montanita, six months in Monta. My business is in Montanita, so going to Monta is just a vacation for me. But uh, I do love both places.
1: Yeah, and for me, it was just it was like a dream come true just to have one of your best buddies around more, right? It was, it was for me, it was really really cool.
0: Oh, cool. Um, so, so where do you uh, where do you see yourself? Where are you, where are you going to take Ecuador Coastal Properties? Where do you see yourself in the next ten years? What are, What are some of the projects that you've got in the horizon that you're really excited about?
1: Yes, I had a, a great question. I, I had a, a very um, very good conference call this morning with some developers and some some people that I work with in Monto that own basically from Santa Maria all the way they ra- all the way to Linguiki. And so, yeah, we're brainstorming all kinds of things. Um, They were approached by Kelly Slater and them. Kelly Slater and them um, wanted to put the wave pool in right there on the ocean in Santa Maranita and have a and build a resort around it. Um, It didn't work out at the end of the day, but they have all this property. So we are coming up with tons of different ideas right now about developing and how to develop and what to develop on that property. Um, And currently right now we're not finished, but uh, we started about a year and a half ago with a project in Monta building, um, seven stories, 22 units called Monaco. Um, We'll be done, finished with that building, I'd say in about seven months. Um, So that's what we have currently going on. But we're really focusing on, right now, picking up land and building homes. Picking up land, building homes, and flipping them. Because right now you can get some great deals where I live in Ciudad Del Mar. I mean, amazing deals. And a lot of people, when they come down, they want homes. They want homes out on the beach. And unfortunately, in Monta, in the city, you can't have a home on the beach because all those properties are worth a million dollars because you can put a high rise on it. So unless you're going to buy a piece of property for a million dollars and build your home, that kind of that, that puts you more out to where I live, Ciudad Del Mar, which is south, and then to Santa Marinita. Those are the kind of the areas we work with. And um, so we're really working on right now picking up land, building homes, flipping homes, building homes for clients. Um, and we're really just getting this thing started, in my opinion. I mean, we've been in this 12 years. We went through a major boom. The economy took a major hit once we had that earthquake. Prices went down, but then Monta was totally rebuilt, um, and so we are prime right now as far as infrastructure to go ahead and keep going. Unfortunately, right now with this COVID happening, it's it's, it's so what bad timing. I can't even say that. I mean, it's it's so sad, really. We had, I mean, we were all on the brink of so many different projects, and then boom, we're all quarantined and we're zooming everybody. We have some amazing projects that, that and, and and not just buildings anymore, more so some other things. You know, we're, we're looking at what does Monta need? Monta needs, uh, in my opinion, we need, a, we need new hospitals. We have hospitals, but we need to improve our hospitals. So we're not just thinking real estate, building condos and that stuff. We're thinking hospitals, because in my opinion, I think Ecuador could be the number one place in the world for medical tourism. That is my opinion and I share that opinion with a few others, such as the ex-mayor that I work with a lot. And we, we really think that, you know, we have the airport in Monta. And right now you can't take a direct flight from anywhere around the world into Monta. But, you know, everybody keeps saying Monta's gonna open up the airport, Monta's gonna open up the airport. But I've I've heard of this, Robbie, for twelve years. So, <laughs> uh, everybody, you know, every and somebody comes in and in one year, and, and I get it, I understand it, I don't mean to knock anybody, but somebody comes in in one year and they think they kind of know it better than everybody and they say, oh yeah, this airport's going, but I've heard it for 12 years and, and I've talked to so many professionals from the people in the tuna industry to the to the mayor, to all these political figures of why we don't have an, an airport. Why don't, why does, I mean, an international airport. And, and the biggest reason we don't is because we need a new industry in Manta. The biggest industry we have is tuna. That's driving, that's driving Manta, you know, and we, in my opinion right now, I mean, we have properties picked out to build these high rises, but who's going to buy these high rises? Who's going to buy these, these, these condos? You know, if I build a building right now with 60 units, there's not going to be 60 Americans or Canadians that are going to buy in there. And it's usually about 15, percent um, expats, and the rest are locals. From Quito, a huge movement from Quito is happening right now. You know a lot of people, That's great. yeah, you know, from when when they subsidized the gas and all that happened, I mean a lot of people and up in Quito, they want to get down to Manta. Now, just to give some people some history information, all Quito's up in the mountains, up in the Andes, about ten thousand nine thousand, ten thousand feet um, altitude. Andy mountain ranges beautiful city massive city um, I get two million two to three million people but they all want to, to have a beach home so historically they used to buy north in Esmeraldas all of them they all you know they, there's high rises up there and honestly it's it's beautiful up there but over the years um, even when I arrived I had arrived just after an earthquake and it really it seems like the earthquakes hit north and <laughs> started to trickle down when I arrived in 2008 of uh, getting kind of bad, bad name in Esmeraldas. And then after the last earthquake, it was kind of the nail in the coffin, I could say. Like, everybody in Quito who had a place called me, hey, can you help sell my place here? We all want to move to Manta. So Manta become that new hotspot for people from Quito simply because they can jump on a plane and be here. It's a 30-minute flight up in the air and down, one hour total, you know, waiting, getting off. But literally, in Quito, you can get on a plane, get here, be at the beach. And that's the draw for people in Quito.
0: Yeah, a little story about that airport. Because um, being in Montanita, we're two hours from Guayaquil, and we're we're two hours from Manta. And uh, all of my friends in Manta are always telling me about their airport up there. And uh, so I finally, I, I did a trip through through Ecuador. Um, I went up to see the mountains and and the waterfalls. And I ended up in Quito. And I said, okay, well, we're going to fly back to the beach rather than taking the bus back or drive back, take a van. And I jumped on a plane. And, and uh, we landed at the uh, what, I, what I thought was was just like a, a cow pasture. But it was actually the airport Monta. Manta. Um, we landed and I, I couldn't believe it. They called it an airport. And, uh, and it's funny because everybody in Monta had been talking it up for so many years. Um, yeah. I walked into, I think it was a barn but it was actually the terminal and I, I was just laughing um, and uh, we were waiting for our luggage um, and our luggage, they pulled up the, our luggage with a, uh, with a tractor uh, and, <laughs> and, and pushed our luggage through a hole in the wall. And that was the luggage conveyor belt. So right. I think I was bragging about the airport to me in Manta for all those years, they were bragging about the new airport, not the old airport, but yeah, uh, yeah. there isn't I've gone to it. I'm okay, nothing happened. Plane landed on the, on the, on the cow patch. It was actually really fun. But yeah, that, that's my story about the Monta <laughs> airport.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got a beautiful, now it's got a beautiful runway, state of the art. It's, it's actually built for an international airport. So I really hope, you know, like I said, to tie it back in with this international medical tourism, I feel like that's what Monta really needs is, um, you know, a, a massive hospital down there because a a lot of the people with wealth, if they have any sort of massive emergency, they all come to Guayaquil. And, I, and for me, I can't wrap my head around it. We have good doctors there, but they still come to Guayaquil. So I feel like, you know, right now, um, you know, number one place in the world is Brazil, you know, and then Panama's in there. Uh, but Brazil being number one, it, I don't get it personally. It's so far. They don't use U.S. dollar. It should be Ecuador. We're three and a half, four hours away from Florida. And if something like that happened, a new industry boomed, then trust me, that that would give Ecuador a reason to open. But we need a reason to open that internationally. It's not going to work, everybody. Oh, Americans are coming down. It's not enough. You know, like I said, if we build a building right now, you know, I can't count on sixty foreigners buying in there i can't count on it i have you know we we have to factor in the locals the locals drive the economy
0: my, my hotel business also i've always said that, that we're really driven by domestic tourism so probably 70 80 percent of my clients from my hotel and from all my vacation rentals are domestic tourism which is nice i mean with this whole COVID thing happening um you know they're, they're talking about the new economy being an airbnb economy people driving to take vacations we have that here uh the yep. local economy it's really supported by domestic tourism.
1: You guys are going to have a massive boom down there. You know, everybody I've talked in Waq they're asking me in Manta, where, but I, I know a lot of people that are really, I mean, literally, I talked to some guys the other day that work in a multi-million dollar business that this has changed their whole perspective on life. They're yeah. done with the rat race. They have money put away. They live in these nice neighborhoods. They have a million dollar home. And these are young guys. These are like 40 years old. And I'm like, wow. But they're like, you know, they told me, Garrett, we're, we're done with we're done with Waikiki, We're ready to come to the yeah. coast. Um, you know, so I, there's going to be a massive movement um, with with people coming from Guayaquil to the coast, from Salinas all the way up to Monta in between. I mean, I know people that are already gearing up to to head to Montanita uh, further. You know, When once the, everything starts get, getting back on track and traveling, um, there's going to be a massive uh, movement of people getting out of the city to be honest, and going to the
0: coast. Yeah, I, I see that, too. I'm just kind of waiting for it. Um, Guayaquil, for everybody listening, um, there's been a lot of bad publicity about Guayaquil. Um, unfortunately, it's probably true. Um, I just think it's mm. it's probably very true for a lot of of, of of large cities in the developing world. But Guayaquil got hit hard with, um, uh, with COVID. Nice. Um, there's three million people that live in Guayaquil, um, and we're kind're we're, we're two hours from there. They've always driven a a, a big part of our tourism. Uh, we're kind of their weekend destination, and we're kind of anticipating kind of a mass exodus out of Guayaquil uh, yeah. to us, to Manta to Salinas um, for long term rentals um, and for for housing. So I, it's just on the horizon. we're kind of just sitting yeah. this thing out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking at the next six to 12 months.
1: Yeah. It's smart of you to, to start thinking that way. I mean, and, and as I said, I'm, I'm talking to people in why daily, and this is what they're telling me, um, that they're all looking at making a move to, to the coast. Um, a lot of people have told me they want to simplify their life. This has given us, a, everybody in the world, a lot of time to think about what do you want to do next? You know, and um, do you want to continue with what you're doing? Are you happy with what you're doing? I think, in my opinion, my, my, Garrett Parker's opinion is, you know, this has given us all time to think about what we really want to do. Do you really love your job right now? You know, ask yourself that if you're listening to this. Do you love what you're doing? And if you don't love it, start making a change. Make a plan. Work your plan. That's how you do it. But you have to do it. Don't start and stop it. Because if you, let's say you're working uh, at the Hilton in New York right now and you're not happy, but you have some money and you have some dreams, follow those dreams. Do it. Because if you don't, you're going to have a lot of regret. A lot of regret. You know, I, I, I have no regrets in my life. I, let it all, <laughs> I really don't. i let it all, you know, there, there's a few things I wish I could go back in high school, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> but as far as just being down here, You know, I had a lot of opportunities to go back to the States and have big time jobs. And actually, for everybody listening, like, I would call you, Robert, and I would actually ask your advice. You know, what do you think? Because, I mean, if you don't mind, I'd like to turn this around for two seconds. You know, Robert, why did you come to Ecuador?
0: (laughs) I think it's exactly what you just said. I had a corporate job and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was... I was done. And uh, I kind of analyzed my life and thought about how I really wanted to spend my time and um, and quit my job on a flight from Los Angeles to Ohio. I think I, I got back. To, t- I was I was on a one-day turnaround from LA to Ohio for a two-hour meeting. And when I got back, I I, I quit my job. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I'd sold everything I owned and you know, pack my bag, pack my one bag, and my six surfboards and my dog, and I and I, and I'm I was in Ecuador. So yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about.
1: And, and for those of you who don't know, like Robert, I I see Robert on his four wheeler on the beach with his dogs chasing, you know, right behind and running with them with his board. I mean, the life that you live down there. It's like Neverland, man. I don't know how to explain it. I tell everybody where you live. It's it's like Bourbon Street, obviously the night the nightlife or whatever. But it's like it's Neverland down there. It's unreal. It's like a it's a it's a beautiful place. And that that's a that's it's right, story. We'll save that
0: for we'll save that for another podcast where where you yeah. interview me. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt, no doubt. But you know, I I love those kind of stories. And um, but I yeah. to get back to, I just think that you know this is really giving everybody. Time to think about what they want to do next. And I think that's why also a lot of people are writing us right now because they're in that situation to where they're in, they're stuck and they're not happy and they're they're finally making the decision. And a lot of people are writing saying, look, I've been looking at your guys' uh, Facebook or or website or the House Hunters International, International Show. We were the first ones to do it and we're, we still do them. And so we have a lot of people saying, we've been looking at you for five years, checking out everything, and um, we're done. We're done with the rat race and we're ready to make a move. Ecuador is home. My wife's from Ecuador. Uh, my kids were born here in Ecuador. Uh, I'm not leaving Ecuador. I will be in Ecuador forever. That's my plan. And I live in paradise. Why would you leave? This is paradise.
0: Well, that's good, man. That's a, that's a good way to uh, to end the conversation today. I, I really appreciate you jumping on and uh, learning all about you and sharing your experiences with uh, with everybody listening
1: no absolutely and anybody out there you know make sure you check us out on uh, facebook um ecuadorian coastal properties uh instagram ecuadorian coastal properties get in touch anything you need even if you just want to ask some questions or, or if you need to set up a phone call get in touch uh robbie thank you so much for this uh, i miss you bud and i hope to see you real soon man yep
0: yep just around the corner see you soon bye all right man I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Garrett Parker. It's a really wide-ranging podcast where we covered a lot of different topics in regards to Ecuador, including pricing on residential properties, commercial investment opportunities, what it costs to build in Ecuador, what its lifestyle is like down here and how it stays busy, children, having kids in Ecuador, really, really exciting stuff, informative interview. So I was glad I got a chance to catch up with Garrett today and I hope everybody tunes in for our next uh, conversation. So if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can reach me at robert at or through the Instagram and Facebook pages of the Nomad Business and Lifestyle Podcast. Take care, everyone.